Welcome to the Desert Street Podcast, the podcast helping you develop forex trading skills for more freedom. I'm your host, Etienne Crête. We are in episode 141. Let's get started right away. Welcome back, everyone, to this week's podcast. As I'm recording this, I am sitting down in London, UK for my very first day. I'm thrilled to be here. There's going to be a lot of great meetings. This is a city I've been wanting to visit and travel to for a very long time. And it's really cool to finally be here and finally get to see what's around here. Although I'll admit it's really cold. Pretty much the same weather as in Canada that we had before I left. But that doesn't mean that I won't have fun and I won't be able to explore. This is also the start of a travel into Europe, which I'll be doing for the next few months or so. And I look forward to discover more, see more new places. And I must admit also that I was kind of stressed before going to Europe. I spent a lot of time in Asia and I kind of knew and was comfortable with Asia. I knew what things were like, what time I would have to trade at, what time I would have to look at the chart, pretty much in every Asian country. But now in Europe, it's different. It's like five hours or so of time difference compared to New York or Canada, which means that I have to adapt a little bit and it's going to take some time, but I will get there for sure and I will keep trading as always for sure. For this week's podcast, when I was in Montreal, I sat down with Brendan Turner. Brendan is from Two Blocks Trading and from his desk in Toronto, he was able to offer his knowledge on trading fundamentals, a topic that I'm not very familiar with, hence why I wanted to bring someone more knowledgeable and more experienced to talk about how he uses fundamentals to trade and how that alone pretty much can make a good methodology. Brendan is a primarily fundamental trader who looks at Forex and he went through all the steps, all the things that have to be looked at before placing a trade on the Forex market. So if you're at a point where you want to trade with the news or you want to look at the fundamental data before entering a trade, this is going to be the episode you need and you will learn pretty much everything you need to know. So without further ado, please help me welcome Brendan Turner. Take a few minutes to introduce yourself, tell people who you are, what you do, and a little bit about your trading as well. Sure. That's uh boy, that'll fill up the entire thing here. Um, so basically I got started was your basic I need to get rich quick kind of thing. I worked in a factory straight out of high school. Just because the city I was born in, that's what they did. You went to the factories, you went to university, and you got the heck out of Dodge. And so I then wound up being a little bit disenfranchised with my existence. So I did what all Canadians do, they love to do, and I moved out west. Packed up the missus, packed up the dog, the cat, went out west to Calgary and tried to live the Western lifestyle. And then I answered an advert in a, I was just a wealth internet site, something like that. Said, want to make 300 or $30,000 to $300,000 trading stocks this year? I said, yeah, yeah, I do. So I, I applied to it, got a phone call back, and I actually got a job doing that. So my first day, I actually started off as a statistical arbitrage and inefficiency trader. And for anyone who doesn't know what that is, I don't actually know what it means either. It just means that I was kind of a high-frequency trader before high-frequency is sort of a buzzword. And this would have been back in 2006 when I got started. And I did that for about five years, but basically just looked for inefficiencies in the marketplace. I remember my first day, my boss sat me down. He was like, so here's your buy button. Here's your sell button. If you lose $50, you're fired. So <laughs> I thought that was like, that's great. I've got a few more stories about that place, but that was my introduction to don't lose money trading. And so I learned very quickly to not lose money because I didn't want to get fired because I wanted to make the $300,000 a year that the advert said I could make. 
So then I did that for about five years. And the, after the financial crisis, the inefficiencies in the, in the, the equity world, and I was trading US equities like NASDAQ and NYSE, New York Stock Exchange, they really started to get too efficient. And so it became really difficult for me to compete with Goldman Sachs and their high frequency algorithms and all this other stuff. Like they were just making everything way too efficient. And the prop industry went through a really big down cycle at that time. So I was looking for something else to do because I was used to making a certain amount of money and I, I wasn't making that. I wasn't losing, but it wasn't what I was used to doing. Couldn't really fund the life that I had created. So a friend of mine was doing a startup Forex brokerage here in Toronto where I live. Shout out to T.O. And so he said, come on in. You can, you know, it's, it was a high net worth uh, Forex brokerage. We only catered to like boutique kind of traders. You had to actually be uh, what we call in Ontario an accredited investor. Just basically means you have a net worth of a million dollars or you make a quarter million a year. That's what they did because at the time, CFDs back in, this was like 2011, I think, CFDs were not something that um, the regulators really knew much about. So anyways, I, I went there and I, I was still doing a little bit of trading on my own, but this is my first kind of like foray into the Forex world. And it was really interesting because I got to see all the clients. We had about 200 clients because it was like supposed to be all high net worth people. So it was, it was a boutique brokerage, but not a single one made money. Like there was times when uh, a few people would go on a tear and they would make some money, but then they would give it all back. And so I was kind of like the port of call for these guys. So like they expected a high level of service. So they wanted to call in and knew that they weren't talking to like a phone monkey. So, you know, I had all this experience trading, so I could talk to them as if like, you know, we were peers and, you know, I, I didn't sound, you know, for lack of a better word, uneducated in the financial space. So I learned about all these guys and gals systems and in every single one of them were technically based. And I knew that every single one of them lost money. Now, some of them were like very simple things like moving average crossovers, which we know only works in a trending market and the Forex market doesn't really trend very often, maybe 30% of the time. And some of it was like as complicated as like seven different indicators piled together with like Ichimoku clouds, Sikasic oversoul, like all these other like things like I'd never heard of at the time because I had never actually studied technical analysis before then. Like inefficiency trading has nothing to do with the numbers. It's actually you're trading ones and zeros against like big guys on level twos. You're not trading breakouts or, or stochastic oversolds and that kind of thing. So I, th- I found it was really interesting that they all lost money and they were all doing the same thing. Now, before I make it sound like I actually am demonizing technical analysis, I'm not because I can tell you that take technical analysis out of the picture, the risk management was horrifying. Like I will, <sighs> a story about this, but I watched a guy go from six and a half million to 20,000 in under two weeks. Wow. So ask if anyone, if that's, if there was any proper risk management to that whatsoever. And so there's not. So that was the biggest issue there, but they were still all using technical analysis for their buy and sell decisions. They just didn't make very good risk management decisions. Going back to actually that story, and I know I'm killing a lot of time here, but it's, it's actually worthwhile to tell this. It's kind of how I learned the fundamentals in the first place. He was telling me about his system. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really want to make a technical Forex system for myself because all these traders who are high net worth individuals who've been very successful in life, they own businesses, they, you know, these people are used to success. Well, so I can't just say, well, those people are ridiculous because they're very successful human beings. So I have to be like, maybe the system wasn't working. Now, the risk management, yes, that was a problem, but I decided that I wanted to do the exact opposite of what the technical analysis was. So that's kind of how I, I didn't know it at the time, but I started getting into things like 
reading news and stuff like that to try to figure out what was actually driving the markets and all that kind of stuff because they weren't telling me about squiggly lines on a chart. They were telling me about like what big central bankers were thinking. And then I discovered, whoa, central bankers, whenever they talk, the Forex market moves like crazy. Or whenever there's economic data, the Forex market moves like crazy. So anyways, that's how I got into trading Forex using fundamentals and sentiment. Over since that time, it's I've kind of honed it into like a very simple system for me to use that we can talk about now if you want. Did I answer your question? I have no idea. You know yeah, from yeah, yeah, interviewing sure. me sure. before I waffle on. Yeah. So so I think that's where you kind of start to learn fundamentals more than technicals. And so what I'm curious, I, I know a lot of people want to learn fundamentals and sentiment. How did you teach yourself that? Did you read books or watch videos or how did that happen? No, it, like I didn't know it at the time, but like I knew I just want to do exactly what the opposite of technicals was. Mm-hmm. And there's really no books out there on fundamentals. Like the book, okay, the books on fundamentals are university textbooks that are like economics. Yeah. Because if you think about it, like central bankers are the ones that control interest rates and interest rates are what control the Forex market. So it makes sense that you want to know what the dudes and the dudettes who are controlling the interest rates, you want to know what it is that they do. And anyone doesn't know what a, what a central banker is, they're an economist. That's it. Like Their job is to be an economist and manage an economy for whichever country they're managing. So I just went and started learning about economics. And I was like, well, how can I apply this down to something smaller so that I can trade this? Because I don't want to, you know, I don't have a degree or anything like that. So I can't walk into Goldman Sachs and be like, hey, I want to be an economist. Hire me and then learn it that way. I had to go and just like figure it out by watching economic events and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the challenges for people who want to trade like you are trading today is that there's kind of a, maybe a lot of discretion into it. Or some people might want to trade fundamentals, but they don't have any clear rules. So I kind of want to jump to your trading style and tell people what that looks like in terms of like time frame and a little bit what you're looking for in the market as well. Sure. So the thing that I think really pushes retail traders off fundamentals is that it's not like technical analysis. Like technical analysis, you can pick up a book, you can read it in a weekend, and you can then take that into the market and you can start applying that. Like where it's, you know, for example, oversold or overbought indicators. It's very simple. It's black and white. If this happens, then you do that. With fundamental analysis, I can't actually sit here and be like, well, if this economic piece of data, so let's talk about non-farm payrolls, because a lot of traders will understand non-farm payrolls. It's a really big event that typically moves, moves the US dollar and most other currencies as well, pretty heavily. So I can't say to you, if non-farm payrolls comes out at 200,000, that that means you should buy or sell. Whereas with a technically based system, if this happens, then you should buy or sell. And I think that's, this is where we kind of get lost because the real power in fundamentals is when you've sat down and you've watched non-farm payrolls, the number that came out and then the reaction to that number six months in a row. Because then you start to get some feels and some insights because you could get non-farm payrolls could come out 200,000 every single month for six months. But that doesn't really mean anything because you don't know what the current market environment was thinking. So this is one of the most important principles that I could ever impart on a trader is what the market expects. So whatever the expectation is for whatever it is, interest rates, a non-farm payrolls, jobs number, inflation, GDP, doesn't matter. Whatever the market expects is at the very least just as important, if not more, and I think more important than what actually happens. Because all markets are meant to be discounting mechanisms. Like I'm sure people have heard, if you've been around for any longer, any amount of time, that like 
you know, the stock market is a discounting mechanism that tries to discount, you know, three to six months in advance what the future economic prosperity of these companies are. Well, it's the exact same thing with the Forex market. They're trying to discount. So what they expect is what is going to push the price going into that event. So that could be a week ahead of time. That could be three months ahead of time. It does. It just you have to understand what the market is thinking, like what it has inside its head. The only way you're going to do that is to research what's going on in the news. Mm-hmm. Now, some people, including perhaps myself, might say, "Well, the fundamentals and the sentiment are already like seen on the chart. You can already feel it on the chart." So, how would you respond to that? And why would researching about it and learning about fundamentals help you trade better? Okay, that's an interesting question. I don't think I've actually been asked that before, but like, there's two schools of thoughts there. Like, you're borderlining the um, who are those knuckleheads? It's the random walk theory. Random walk theory says that any piece of information that is already discounted into the price chart at any given time and that there is no actual, at least they admit that they can't make money trading because that there's no way for you to have a statistical edge. Well, we know that's not true because there's people that make money. There's big giant asset management firms, head funds. Like They don't just have trillions and trillions of dollars trading because they lose money for their clients. Like There is money to be made in the Forex markets. Now, saying that it's uh, going back to the question of like, how is it already priced in the chart? So think about, for example, and I'll give you like a longer term example that will maybe help make a bit more sense. So like going into like, let's say uh, when the European Central Bank, when they, before they did their quantitative easing program, for those who don't know what quantitative easing is, it is basically the unlimited printing of money in order to buy government securities to push a ton of money into the economy with the hopes that that'll spur buying and spending and that people will go out and spend because most economies need consumer spending to actually be healthy. So if we go to the example of their quantitative easing program, they didn't just come out one day and be like, hey, hey, markets, um, we're just going to start spending trillions of dollars right now. We're just going to start printing that and you know, hope that the economy starts to pick up and do some things. They started giving hints to the market saying in their speeches and their press conferences, and they started giving hints saying, you know what? Stuff is bad right now. Like Unemployment is like, what? It was 25% in Spain. It was, like, just like, it was crazy how high unemployment was. Things are bad. We're worried about the evil deflation and we need to get things jump started. So we're thinking about doing something. And so the markets goes, cool. So we're a discounting mechanism. So we're going to start dumping the euros because we believe the central bank is going to make some really big policy action that is going to negatively affect the value of dollar. Like if you think about it, basic supply and demand, if you print more dollars than the real rate of demand happens it's going to go down. The price is going to go down to meet equilibrium or a fair value. So in this example, the euro dropped 2,000 pips, if not more. And it's not like it did that instantaneously. So random walk would tell you that that would have been in the price of the charts instantaneous. But the only 2,000 pip move I've ever seen that was instantaneous was when the Swiss National Bank pulled the rug under the 120 euro Swissy floor. That's the only time I've ever seen that happen personally. So like it's over a period of like eight months, it was like you just sold the dollar on a rally because you knew that it was things were, were looking really bad. And they wound up having to increase their quantitative easing program. So it's just a lot of these words are big and they're kind of like they may be a bit foreign to people, but when you hear them and see them over and over, it starts to make a little more sense. But like it wasn't instantaneous. You definitely could have used technical analysis if to get into it. Like this is what I tell people. Cause I used to be really staunch and the technicals was for monkeys and all this other stuff. And now I realize that I'm wrong. Technicals is good, and I'm actually doing a lot to try to incorporate that into my own trading. But with technical analysis, I just tell people, whatever your system is, doesn't matter. 
just trade it, trade the signals or whatever you get that are in line with the fundamentals. And if you do that, you're going to put yourself in the power of where the money is pushing. Because if we know that there is, you know, the quantitative easing in, in Europe is happening, we know that the power of the big money is the institutions are selling. They don't sell at the bottoms. They're looking to sell on the rallies to get a discount and to make more money when they push the price lower and lower and lower. So that's kind of what I tell people. Only use your sell signal and that sort of thing. If you do a buy in that particular thing, like if stochastic gets oversold and you want to buy because of that and you get run over, you got run over because the power of the institutions, all that flow of money was saying, we're going down. We may go up for a little bit and maybe you get your five pips or whatever it is. But after that, we're going to go drop another hundred pips and we're all going to high five all the way to the bank and to the pub. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I so, answered your question there. Yeah. So tell me if I'm wrong. What I understand from this is that you don't trade fundamentals, but you trade kind of how people react to the fundamentals and the, the, the news, basically. Not the news itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it's a fair thing. Like The fundamentals is like, well, let's define for a second the fundamentals. Like yeah. The fundamentals is the big picture, like macroeconomic situation of an economy. So mm-hmm. think like the year-long picture or the six-month picture. Whereas what I do is I say, okay, cool. I understand that. So in our example here, European Central Bank, this is negative. I'm bearish. I want to sell. But then I, I'm a sentiment trader. So then what sentiment is basically the picture of the day today, like in this trading session, like what is the mood of the market right now? And what is it telling me? Because it doesn't just go down in a straight line. There are many times during quantitative easing program where the price of the euro USD or any other euro pair went up hundreds of pips, but that was just a selling opportunity. So like that going up a hundred pips was the sentiment. So the mood had switched and the sentiment could have been very simply the big banks were taking profits. Like they were selling it all the way down. So in order for them to take profits, they have to buy it back up, right? And so that's what that sentiment could have been. Or it could have been that for a moment, there was a really good GDP number that happened. And so the, the sentiment changed for a little bit, but then they realized one good number doesn't, in a series of 10, 20 bad numbers, does not mean that the trend is going to change, if you know what I'm saying there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we get that. And so what does the daily routine look like to be able to get that sentiment or that kind of picture of the market on a daily basis? Cool. Yeah. So when I wake up, the first thing I do is I open Ransquawk. Ransquawk is it's a premium service. It costs a bit of money, but uh, it does all the heavy lifting for me. It's not necessary, but you can get uh, from other sources like Forex Live. They do a fantastic job. Adam Button, also another Canadian, hashtag legend. He's kind of the head at, headpiece at uh, Forex Live. So go to them, get their, like, it's all free. But I use Ransquawk. And what they do is they have a morning preview of what has happened overnight. And it takes me about five minutes to read through it. And boom, I already know exactly what's happened overnight. The UK have released CPI numbers and I know exactly what it is. So I haven't even looked at a chart right now. So I identify whatever they tell me has happened with either good or bad. And now I know what currencies that I want to go look at. So then I'll pull up my trading platform and I'll see, okay, so for example, we got bad CPI data for the UK this, this week and we got bad retail sales. Both of those are super important to the price of the pound. And if anyone saw the pound this week, it got butchered, it got killed, right? Mm-hmm. So I already know exactly what I want to trade. So guess where I had most of my trades this week, trading pound short, because I knew that CPI was terrible and retail sales was terrible and there's been some hiccups with Brexit and all that kind of stuff. So that I just find out what the sentiment situation is, go to the charts, confirm that it's happened. And then I see, is there a good level for me to get in? Boom. So I really like the process. So you look at kind of the basic fundamental aspect and then go back to the chart. 
with some more details set up on your chart. Yeah, like I don't even need charts. Well, I lie. I lie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was mean. I don't ever look at my charts first. Like uh-huh. intentionally turn my charts off at night when I go to bed, but I leave my rant walk open because I don't want to be biased. I don't want to flip open my charts and be like, oh, the Aussie dollar dumped. Oh, well, uh, something happened with Australian dollar. Like, no, no. I want to know exactly what happened first. And then I confirm that with the price action on the chart. And then I use, you know, whatever, you know, I, I don't use very sophisticated technical analysis, but if there's a good level for me to get into it, then I, then I will. Uh-huh. Are this information useful kind of over the days or is it only for the next day? Can you use them for like the next week or the next month or for more swing trade type of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. This is where the answer is going to be kind of not the best. Once you learn what fundamental event, what happens, once you learn which one is going to impact the markets the most, that's how you know how long something could last. Because the one thing about with fundamentals and sentiment is the market is very, it's very simple. It can only concentrate on one or two things at a time. So like when we're talking this week, like CPI was bad in, in the UK, so they sold it off. And then they couldn't really think of much else. What else are we going to do with the, uh, the British pound? And then the retail sales came out the next day and they sold off like, yeah, right. So everything's bad. But how would you know that retail sales is going to affect the pound that much? That's because you've had some experience watching what retail sales numbers do. And like bigger events, like interest rate changes, those are going to affect the individual currencies far more than, let's say, housing permits is another piece of economic data that comes out in most countries. That doesn't really move the market, which I guess brings me to another point that like I also know that what I want to focus on in this particular time is what the central bank has told me that they're focused on. And so they do that on their websites. They do that in their speeches. You can see this on Forex Live. They tell you whenever, you know, Jerome Powell speaks, he's the head of the Federal Reserve. They tell you exactly what he said and whether it was hawkish or dovish, which is either bullish on interest rates or or bearish on interest rates. They tell you exactly what it is. And then you get kind of a feel for, is this important kind of deal? Mm -hmm. What I feel, especially with these speeches, is that it can be kind of a little bit ambiguous sometimes. So they say something, we don't know if it's going to be useful or not, or how far it's going to impact things. So do you kind of interpret yourself, or I guess you look at the resources to help you get a feel of what that looks like on the bigger picture? Well, a lot of it comes down to like what the market is thinking. And you understand what the market is thinking by what is actually in the news. So for example, Forex Live, I highly encourage people to check out their stuff. They're awesome. And they do a session wrap just like Ransquawk does and that kind of thing. So you can get that stuff. Like they're not going to post stuff that is irrelevant to what the market is doing. They're not going to tell you about something that has no value to the impact of the price of currencies. They're going to tell you about stuff that's going to move the markets, move the particular currencies, and they're going to give you the exact reasons why. And then sometimes they even give you opinions or analysis on where it may go from here. So they're not going to talk about rubbish. They're only going to talk about the stuff that's affecting the currency prices right now. So that's how you're going to get, like, that's kind of how you take ambiguity out of it is that you understand what is being focused on by the markets. And that is what is being written about. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now we have a question here that I want to kind of cover. You probably got an answer for that, which is where can you find the main areas that the central bank are focusing on? Like the main thing that they work on and they plan to act on. Where can we find this? Cool. So the central bank will tell you what they're focusing on first off. And there's two ways that they do that. One, you go to the website. So you can go to the reservebank.com, whatever it is. And they will actually tell you in their pages what they're focused on. But that's you know difficult and who wants to do that? The other thing is they will tell you in their press conferences and their speeches. 
And there's been a lot, and you can just go to the Forex Factory calendar and you can see that there's, you know, Jerome Powell's speech today or whoever Mario Draghi has a speech today. And they'll even tell you where it's at and what it's about. Now, in those speeches, they give you these little things called forward guidance. Ooh, big word there. <laughs> and all that means is that they're dropping little nuggets to tell you what they're thinking. And so going back to that example of the European Central Bank and the quantitative easing, like I said, they didn't just come out and be like, yo, guys, we're going to do this super big multi-trillion euro quantitative easing program. Mic drop, I'm out. Like That's not what they did. For months leading into it, they started to tell you, we're concerned with these certain things. We're concerned with how high unemployment is. We're concerned with the debt ratios, all that stuff. And then they changed their wording over time to make it more positively phrased or negatively phrased. That's forward guidance. The best central bank in the world for forward guidance is the Federal Reserve, bar none. And once they have a speech, you just go to Forex Live after, and they will tell you if wording has been removed or if they've added more wording that makes it more positive or negative towards the currency. Like They're going to tell you where it is. And they tell you so much that the market usually knows exactly when they're going to raise interest rates and what month to a very high degree because they've told them so many little clues. Mm-hmm. Love that. And that's, I think, a really useful resource. Cool. Now, I'm going to assume that some people hear about fundamentals and they think that this is kind of the science that's going to make all the trades successful. Like they're going to follow what the news say or what these people say. And inevitably, they're going to be right. So I'm kind of curious to know, and this can be kind of an, an average or whatever, but how often are you right on your trades or like what do you think is going to happen with the trades? That's a tough question because there's so many different kinds of trades. Uh Like my bread and butter this year so far has been trading the Donald Trump. And this is a very fast sentiment trade. Like we were talking uh, off air before we went live and I'll read it to you what- Yeah, maybe maybe share share that again. So yeah. Let me just just pull that up here. So at uh, 6.57 a.m. Eastern time, I have my uh, Twitter program to give me an instantaneous push notification when Donald Trump makes a tweet because I need to know if he affects the markets, regardless of my opinion on him. But here's what he wrote at 6.57. Looks like OPEC is at it again with record amounts of oil all over the place, including the fully loaded ships at sea. Oil prices are artificially very high, no good, and will not be accepted. And so my brain says, oh, well, he is basically bullying the price of oil. So I straight away, I just flipped to my oil chart smashed short oil. And over about, if you look at the chart of oil today, you'll see that there was a bit of a shock reaction that happened exactly at 6.57 Eastern time. It just reacted. It knee-jerk reaction over three minutes dropped 30 cents. And then over about 30, 40 minutes, it dropped almost a full dollar based on those comments. And so because I've been um, playing with the markets for so long with this whole fundamental thing, like my brain just instantaneously recognized that that was a negative thing coming from who is likely one of the most powerful human beings on planet Earth. I mean, he's in a position of power, like whether we agree with that or not, like the United States is a superpower. So that's important information. So if he says stuff like that, boom, like think about it, us Canadians here, like NAFTA, like you've heard all about like Trump gets on there and he starts doing this about, we're going to leave NAFTA and all this other stuff. Think about what that means for the price of a currency. If all of a sudden we stop getting this revenue as Canada coming from NAFTA, what's that mean? It means it's going to affect the tax that the country is going to generate. It means the, price, the value of our currency will go down to adjust for all these losses that we're going to have. So what's the first thing you think about when Trump comes out and says, oh, guess what? We're going to leave NAFTA 
screw all you guys. We're going to do what we want to do. You go to the dollar, you go to, you go to the Canadian dollar and you short it. You plug your nose and you walk away and you go, you know, go for lunch and come back and the currency will be lower. Like that was the way it was when he first started talking about NAFTA. Now, the market has thick skin. And so if someone keeps saying the same thing over and over and over and over, the first time it came out, maybe it has a huge reaction. The second time, maybe it has a little bit less of a reaction. By the time we get to where we are with Trump and NAFTA right now, I mean, we're, we've heard there's been 6,000 tweets and all kinds of speeches. Like It doesn't budge unless there is something very ironclad that we haven't heard before. If he just says uh, NAFTA negotiations are rubbish, we're going to leave, it's not going to make much of a, a difference because we've heard that over and over. But if he comes out with some sort of something that we haven't heard, and that's, that's when you have to be in tune with the market and what's actually been happening because you would need to know what we've actually heard beforehand. Because otherwise, if you haven't, then it's new information to you and you might want to react on it. So if new information comes out, well, that's tradable information. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about NAFTA, if you want to trade the peso or you want to trade the CAD, bang, do it. I think that's a great example. But now with that first example with Donald, with, uh, Donald Trump, how would you place your stop loss and kind of risk management on that? Okay. So for me, um, my stop loss is price action. Okay. Like if I punch into it and if I expect there to be a big price move because I think this is scary, like today, I didn't have any fear because I punched into it and it just trickled down. Like it kept over three minutes, I got my 30 cents out of the oil trade, but I could have held on for a lot longer. But I waited until the price action itself. If I start seeing that the price action is starting to go back up, then I'm just going to get out because that tells me that the sentiment, and in this case, the sentiment is super, super fast. Like it could be this only lasts for two minutes, right? So it's all about the price action. If things just start going against me immediately, I'll just punch out. And would you be putting like a stop loss above the recent high of the stages for safety? Or uh, no? for, for me, I don't have a stop loss because it, it, is, it is a short-term instantaneous trade. This thing's either going to go or it's not. And if it doesn't go, then I just punch out and I take whatever loss or whatever small winner I have. And I, I just sit there and I'll watch it and see if momentum starts coming in. Because sometimes it's not just one comment. Like with Trump, we know that he doesn't usually just tweet one tweet and go away. He comes out with five tweets in a row. So you never like, by the time we get to the third tweet, it could totally have negated everything that happened in the first tweet. So you got to kind of be like in tune with it's actually happening real time. It's not a strategy that you can just be like, I'm going to set it at this level and then forget it. It's going to be like you punch in instantaneously and you monitor what's happening. And that's why exactly why I pay a bit of an extra fee to have Rand squawk because they're going to tell me instantaneously, they're going to squawk off on the, on the feed over my speakers when something changes. So a lot of times I'll just wait for that to happen. If nothing happens, then I wait for the sentiment to change. What could just be its price starts going the opposite direction. Right, cool. And we have a good question here from Matthew that I think you're going to answer with that. So are there any other sentiment or fundamental tools that you use apart from the news, such as, let's say, options or bond price that you look at? Yeah. Okay. So um, I have, so Forex Live have mentioned, if you go to their website, and I don't have any ownership of Forex Live, so I'm just telling you what I actually personally use. There's no money here that I can make on it. If you are on a PC, you just when you go to the website and it says, will you allow uh, Forex Live to send you push notifications? Click yes, because it is fantastic. Because every time that they release an article, which is like some days it's like 40, 50 times a day, you'll get a push notification to your desktop and you can set that up to have a sound alert and whatever. And you can instantaneously see the headline. And if I'm honest, like I pay a premium to have Ransquawk 
before X Live beats Ransquawk a lot of the time on certain wow. things. The only thing that Ransquawk has is it has an audio. So you have these, the, the British fellas are on there telling me when things are actually happening rather than me reading stuff. So I get both. So like Forex Live and Ransquawk, absolutely. But there is a cheat for that. What brokers, you know, like, you know, MetaTrader 4, everybody knows MetaTrader 4. Basically, brokers lease that from MetaQuotes. Well, there's another company called XOpenHub. And some Forex brokerages like XTB, they actually lease that from uh, lease XOpenHub's trading platform from, from XOpenHub. So in that trading platform, they actually have a live squawk feed built into it. I think it's called XTrader or something like that. I mean, you have to ask your broker if they have it, but they actually have a live squawk built into it. So that's a super good feature to have. So that's another place that you could get that information. Financial Juice has a real, I think it's a two-minute delay news feed, which is better than nothing, right? If you don't want to pay the extra money or if you're not at that stage yet where you can afford to pay for that, that's a free one. The only other source that I use is like I have Bloomberg, just the regular website, Bloomberg forward slash currencies or something like that. Just on my phone, I get uh, push notifications whenever they come out with something. But Bloomberg is not fast like Forex Live. It's not real time. It's when you want to, when a big events happened, like, I don't know, Donald Trump dropping bombs on Syria or whatever event in the market, you know, four or five hours later, you're going to get excellent analysis of what happened. Is it tradable in that time? Probably not. But you get really excellent analysis from really good analysts. Forex Live, though, they're just, they're amazing analysts. They do a good job and they're fast. So that's, to me, it's, that's my go-to. Mm-hmm. Out of curiosity, are there any kind of TV channel you look at? So <laughs> I guess not CNBC, but let's say Bloomberg TV or something. Not really. Sometimes well, when there's like a central bank speech coming on, I'll go to a station that has it because I want to see like what it is. Usually I can find it over the internet. A lot of times they have it on YouTube. And most of the times they'll actually have, central banks will have their webcasts on their website. So you can like go to the Royal Bank of Australia and you can usually they'll have a webcast on there. The Federal Reserve has web- webcasts on theirs. But no, most of the time I'm listening to house music. Me and Lulu, my dog over here, I'm trying to dub out her snoring. And uh, we're just listening to house music, waiting for the squawks to come and watching, watching what's going on in the markets. Cool. And so how long do you let this information affect you? on your trades, like the information from the news. Do you have a time where you say, okay, this is like too late or this is gone? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, again, that goes back to like the degree of the impact that the news is going to have. So let's go to expectations, okay? Go to non-farm payrolls because that's one of the biggest economic data releases in the month. If the market expects, let's say, 300,000 jobs created this month and it comes out minus 500,000 jobs, like that is, that is mind-blowingly horrible. The market was expecting 300,000. It came up minus 500. That's an 800,000 difference. That is the height of insanity. The US dollar will go poo-poo. It will go straight down in a straight line. And it will probably continue to go down for what most people would look at and say it's too unreasonable. Whereas if if it was expected at 300,000 and it came out at 300,000, then the price movement is going to be much less. So if I want to trade the 300,000 comes out at 300,000, I expect much less than if there was that massive deviation. I expect much, much more if there's the huge deviation. And that just takes time to understand. Like some indicators, a big deviation isn't really that big of a deal because the indicator itself isn't necessarily that important. But for something like non-farm payrolls, GDP data, CPI, like that kind of stuff, consumer price index, sorry, CPI, that's going to move the market a lot more because it has a material impact on what central banks will do with interest rates. 
if that makes sense. Love that. that. Sense. I think we need to wrap this up, but uh, any other advice you would have for people to finish this up or any other things you want to mention? Yeah. So the only thing that I would say for people is that I know this is a little bit confusing, but it takes a lot of time to work with to, to understand the actual fundamentals and sentiment. And what I'll say is that this is this kind of stuff that the big banks are using. Like it's not, now this isn't hundred percent of the case, but 99.9% of the cases, they're using economic data to push the prices up and down and do all that stuff. They're not using stochastics and oversold and all that kind of stuff. Like, could you imagine George Soros being like, I need to wait for the MACD to have a zero trend line break and the Ichimoku cloud to be flying above price and the stochastic to be oversold before I'm going to consider buying the euro dollar right now. That's just not how it works. I not mean to be, I am poking fun, but it's just the reality of what it is. So that is the stuff they would do. The other thing that I would say that for me really changed a lot about the way I think about risk management and I think I even mentioned this on your podcast last time uh, Tom and I were on, is that the size of your account today has absolutely zero measure on your future earning potential. And what I mean by that is, if you can make 2 or 3% per month with a very low drawdown of 2, 1% to 3% a month, and you can do that on something that let's, let's say is like a sustainable amount, like 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 pips, not like scalping because you can't scale scalping. Scalping, you can only get to, like, if you're taking three, four, five pips, you can only get to a certain amount of contracts before you get slippage and it's going to affect your business model. But if you can actually trade for like 30, 40, 50 plus pips and learn how to do that, you can scale that up to any amount. You can start a managed accounts program because you think about it, like, PIMCO is one of the largest asset management firms on planet Earth. They have $2 trillion under management. What return do you think they get for their clients? What do you think? A few percent. Even two per year? Two percent. Wow. Like, you're even like that's what they're getting. So, if you can make 2% per month, which is totally achievable, it's just as long as you don't go crazy. Because one of the things that I think people do is they come to Forex, they hear about all this leverage that you can use and all this other stuff. They come with kind of an expectation of changing their financial situation overnight when really it's a long term game. Like, fundamentals, I didn't learn fundamentals overnight. I can learn a technical system overnight, but I can't learn how the actual fundamentals work. I have to sit and play with it for six months. So it's a very different thing. So just if you trade your account like a real professional, rather than leveraging up and trying to change your financial situation straight away, you can have people like invest in you. You can start your own company. Like there's so many different ways you can go. Yeah, there's big potential. So if you guys have value from this slide, please give it a like. I would really appreciate it. And I, th- I'm, I think Brandon is going to love it too. And Brandon, you have also a free fundamentals course. So give just tell people where you can find this and get it. Yeah, so on twoblokestrading.com, Tom and I are putting together, uh, well, Tom's the technology behind it. I'm the financial information guy behind it. Currently in the process of building out a uh, fundamentals and sentiment trading course. It's all free. There's no, there's no charge whatsoever. You can log in if you want to give us your email. We don't spam you, but um, you can log in and you can track your progress. Now there's about, I think there's eight tranches of information that are going to come out. We've, we should have the third one released this weekend. But by the time you get to tr- about a month out from now, when it's completely finished, it'll have full-blown trading strategies. So it'll make all this random techno garble that I've thrown up on you guys today, it'll make it all sound much more understandable. You'll be able to get a, a lot more flavor to it. So there'll be trading strategies and why these things affect the market. It's, it's going to be huge. That's good. Cool. And it's free. Wonderful. And if Tom is here, maybe you can drop a link in the chat and we'll make sure to put it under the description as well after the, the live is done. Sure. That could be cool. Awesome. So Brandon, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. And I will catch you guys pretty soon. Cheers.